Well, today we will go ahead and take a look at Matthew chapter 24. Please go ahead and open your Bibles up there so that you can follow along with us in this teaching. Uh, this will be, from a time standpoint, one of the longest teachings I've ever done. I'll give you fair warning on that, but uh, since you're either listening by audio or watching by video, you'll have the opportunity to pause or stop it, or come back to it some other time or whatever. But uh, I pray that uh, you'll be blessed in this teaching as we look at God's Word today. So Matthew chapter 24, we will go ahead and jump right on into verse 1. Then Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and His disciples came up to show Him the buildings of the temple. So as we read about a, this here, we're seeing a situation, it seems, where the disciples of Jesus were very impressed by the architecture of the temple that was in Jerusalem at that time. And they were kind of enamored by it, right? And if you think about our lives on this earth here, there are many things that can capture our attention on, in the world. Temporary things that make us say, wow, look at that, and put us in awe, right? So, however, as always seems to be the case with Jesus, He was always trying to keep the attention of His disciples focused on that which was eternal rather than on that which was temporal. And that's what we've seen as we've gone through the book of Matthew and as you go through the whole Bible. It's all about not the here and now, but it's about that which is eternal. But, and this is exactly what the Lord wants for you and me to do today as His modern day disciples. To keep our eyes fixed on Him. To keep our eyes fixed on where we are going more than where we are. Living like we're just passing through. Traveling light. Not all bagged down with, or excuse me, bogged down with the cares of this world. Right? Weighing us down and, and, and burdening us as we go through this life. But rather traveling light. And this is what Jesus is now going to do. They're looking at this temple saying, wow, look at this, Lord. Isn't this impressive? Seems to be what they're, they're marveling about, right? And Jesus in verse 2 said to them, Do you not see all these things? Surely I say to you, not one stone shall be left here upon another that shall not be thrown down. So here's kind of like, if you want, you could say bursting their bubble. But really, that's not what Jesus is doing. He's focusing their attention on the eternal. Right? Pointing them in that direction. And you know, after not too many years went by for these disciples here of Jesus' day, that this indeed did happen, what Jesus said. This temple that His disciples had so marveled about became a pile of rubble. The Romans took siege of Jerusalem in, in the first Jewish-Roman war in 70 A.D., they captured the city of Jerusalem and destroyed both the city and its temple. But in this teaching this morning, I would like to keep your attention focused on our present day and age because we need to understand 
how Jesus wants us to live in the here and now. Again, and it is with an eternal perspective, right? While we await His coming, we await that time when we will ever be with Him for all of eternity, right? But, you know, but how easy is it to let this world, be they things of splendor or things of earthly value, monetary value, be they times of happiness or be it times of trouble, how easy is it for, to let this world capture our attention and, and, and take our focus off of the eternal and what God has for us? The one thing that we know for sure is that nothing lasts in this life. Everything fades away, waxes old. We were young and now we're old, right? We have good times and, and we have bad. There is nothing in this world that should capture the attention of our hearts more than the Lord God Himself. That is why Jesus taught His disciples that they are in the world, but they're not to be of the world. We are to live our lives as if time is short, which indeed it is, right? And when we do this, Right? That is when we do not let our hearts get bogged down with the things of this world. We'll find that we can travel light through this life and not be burdened by the cares of this life. The worries and the fears and anxiety and such because we're fixed on eternity. We're fixed on the Lord and what He has for us more than we are caring about the things of this life here and now. So when I say I want us to focus on this present day and age, I mean take a look at our own hearts today and see where are we? Am I focused on the things of this world? Or am I looking for what Jesus has for, for me, for you in eternity? Let me remind you of something that we read quite a while back in the Gospel of Matthew. Go ahead and mark this page in your Bibles and Turn back to Matthew chapter 6. Familiar verses, if you're familiar with your Bible at all. Matthew chapter 6. And we'll look down and we'll start reading in verse 25. So Matthew 6, 25. Jesus says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? You see, this is another time where, like we're seeing in Matthew chapter 24, where Jesus was just once again getting His disciples to focus on not the things of this world like money and food and clothing and such, but rather to focus them on the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And the fact that God will take care of those that do place their faith and their trust in Him. This is what Jesus was telling His disciples. And He's telling us today through the living Word. And this is so, it's so important that we get these facts rooted and grounded within our souls 
that we may properly live for and properly serve the Lord in this present day and age. That we might know how we should live today. The Lord has a carefree life in store for us. Not a problem-free life. But when we're fixed on Him, we can live in peace, knowing we're just passing through. All things are temporal. This too shall pass type attitude, right? But we must turn from the cares of this life and fix our eyes on the kingdom of God and His righteousness, His will for our lives. And Jesus begins to illustrate this here in verse 26 where He says, Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? You see, what Jesus is pointing out here is worrying has no positive benefits to it. We can't change one thing about our lives, not one thing about our future by worrying. Jesus tells us here that we are of more value than the birds of the air, and yet God does not cease to take care of them, to provide for them. So why would He not take care of us when we are so very valuable to Him? Not one bird was created in His image as we are. Not one bird is his child as we are through faith in Jesus Christ. But the, but the birds, well, at least from what I see, they don't go around stressing out, gathering things. Jesus said they didn't. Storing up for tomorrow. They simply make what, whatever God gives them all they need. That's the provision of God. And that's a key point right here, being content with what we have. Where does all the strife in this world come from? All the problems of this life, all the things we see going on in the world around us, the striving and the fighting and all of that, where does it all come from? Well, if you want to turn toward the back of your Bible and find James, the book of James chapter 4, James tells us where all of these troubled times come from and all of this fighting and backbiting and hatred that's in the world today. Verse 1 of James chapter 4, where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? Think about all the violence again going on in the streets these days. Aimless, ignorant, selfish people doing harm to others, destroying things, all because they want something they don't have. But they refuse to trust their own lives into the hands of the Creator who, give, who will give them everything that they need. But it's not just a, a certain segment of society that is guilty of this. There is lust and greed and wars against the souls of all men and women today. That which eats one up from the inside makes you angry inside and hateful because you want something you don't have. 
the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. I want this. I want that. How come he has that? I don't have that. How come she has that? I don't have that. And all the while, our Creator wants to give us peace. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. He just wants us with our eyes fixed on Him, not on the here and now. So why do we get all this strife within us? It's because we desire things that we don't have. And we're not trusting in God, plain and simple. James goes on in verse 2, You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you might spend it upon your own pleasures. Right? You see, asking God for things that you're greedy for, you're lusting after, and that's not something that God knows you need, He's not going to give it to you. He knows what we don't know. He sees what we don't see. And that's trusting in God just to say, Hey God, what's my lot in life? What do you have for me? Where do you have me in this life? I'm content in you. I'm going to trust in you that you'll provide my need. That's why Jesus pointed us to the birds of the air. All right? Again, God wants us to have a contented life. We're told in 1 Timothy chapter 6 that having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. And that those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. So these are the things that destroy men from the inside out. Destroy women, destroy families, homes. Right? Things that make people go out and riot and loot and destroy businesses and cities. And ultimately, these evil-filled people, these lust-filled people, won't stop until they ultimately destroy a nation if they don't get everything that they lust after. Because they won't trust in God to supply their needs. And again, it's not just them, it's us. Why are we discontent inside? Is there a war going on inside of you, inside of me? We need to trust in the Lord. We need to seek the Lord more. Back in James, or still here in James, I guess if that's where you are, verse 4, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. You see that? We know that an adulterer, we know what an adulterer and adulteress is, right? But when a person isn't trusting in God, in the God that wants to supply all their needs, who wants them to be contented and peaceful within their hearts, and instead, they're lusting after the things of the world and they're warring and they're fighting and they're stealing and they're destroying in, in an attempt to get what they want. They're hating others, being bitter inside. Well, in doing all of that, they're an adulterer or an adulteress because they're unfaithful to God. That's why James compares them to an adulterer or adulteress here. Because they're unfaithful to God. They're not trusting in God. 
Or do you, verse 5, or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? You see, above all else, God desires a relationship with each and every person. Each and every human being that lives and moves on the face of the earth, his spirit longs to walk with each and every one of us if we'd just be willing to die to ourselves, to humble ourselves, and commit our lives to Him. This is the answer. Through faith in Jesus. And you know He's still reaching out to people today in His grace. Verse 6 says, but He gives more grace. He's given more grace, given time to people to say repent. Therefore, verse 6 continues, therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. That's the repentant, right? Therefore, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But you see, as long as a person refuses to humble themselves, refuses to repent of their sin, refuses to come to Jesus to be born again, then God will continue to resist that person. That person will continue to lust after the things of this world, to fight for, to kill, to steal, to destroy, all under the leading of their God, Satan, to get everything they want, right? So these people are going to be out there doing that kind of thing, which is why we need the government of law and order, as we talked about a few weeks back when we looked at Romans chapter 13. We need law and order. Because people are just going to continue to fight, to steal, to loot, to riot, to kill, all because they're discontent, all because they haven't come to Jesus, and they need the gospel of salvation. They need to come to faith in Jesus. Look at verse 8. Here's the answer, what every person needs. Verse 8, draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify you. Your hearts, you double-minded, lament and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and He will lift you up. You see, folks, this is the will of God for our lives today. Resting in Him. Trusting in Him for our every need. He longs earnestly for us to do that with a jealous spirit. He doesn't want us chasing the things after the world, being adulterers and adulteresses. He wants us humbling ourselves, not rising up in pride, fighting for the lust of our flesh. And people wonder why God doesn't answer their prayers. Because their prayers are self-centered. They're unfaithful to Him who created them in His image. And as we flip back now to Matthew chapter 6 again, Jesus continues to prescribe the life of trusting in God. And down in verse 28 of Matthew chapter 6, Jesus says, So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? 
Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Now let me pause right there and ask you, have you ever really done what Jesus is telling us to do here? That is, have you ever really considered the birds of the air? The lilies of the field? Do you get out and enjoy, and enjoy God's creation? And consider all that His hands have made? And how He provides life to all of His creation? Consider how a plant grows, how a river flows, how the wind blows. You see, the more you focus on you, the more worry, angry, and depressed you will become. It happens to all of us. The more we focus on ourselves, the more worry, angry, and depressed we will become. This is why Jesus does not want us to focus on our own lives, the importance of our own lives, but rather to submit and entrust our lives to the Father's care. Today, our world is all in a panic, fretting and hiding from some invisible thing, some invisible virus that shuts everything down, causes everybody to panic, and you sit at home and you watch the news and all the purveyors of doom and gloom on your television set. And all the while, the things which God has prepared, from you, prepared for you are being stolen from you. And again, who is it that is the thief? It's not God that's doing this in your life. It's not the God of creation, but rather the God of this age as we also discussed when we looked at Romans chapter 12 and 13. Jesus has come that we may have life, and life abundantly, but are you seeking that life with your eyes, with your ears, and with the inward man of your soul? If you give your eyes day after day to the darkness and to the lies of this world as seen on TV and on the internet, and all the lies that are being spread around social media, then you will find yourself all pent up inside, both literally and figuratively, you'll be all pent up inside. Are you in the Word of God? Or are you too consumed by the news that's on your television or on your internet? You know, Jesus gives the answer here in verse 33, but seek first the kingdom of God. Top priority, first, number one. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. You see, we can rest in God today, folks. We can have peace. We can know that He will take care of us. And that His will is greater for us than our own will is for us. Much better, His will. And as we flip back to Matthew chapter 24, 
Jesus once again getting the attention of His disciples to be not on the temporal things, the pretty things of this world, but rather on the things of God is what He's doing here. And He was teaching them that time is short on the earth. The temple, the city of Jerusalem, as they had presently known it at that time, it was not going to last. And in addition to that, as you read through this chapter, we will see that the world itself is not going to last as we now know it. And in verse 3, it says, Now as He sat on the Mount of Olives, speaking of Jesus, the disciples came to Him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? So, a couple of the disciples of Jesus here come to Him privately. And they're now rightfully curious about a couple of things here. For one, this whole temple destruction thing, this whole not one stone left upon another, when will this be? And secondly, what will be the sign of your coming at the end of the age. So they're curious about a couple things here, right? And Jesus answered and said to them, verse 4, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there will be famines, pestilence, and earthquakes in various places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Now let's pause right here for a bit. You see, folks, there's a couple of things we need to keep in mind here. For one, Jesus was trying to instruct His disciples that were on the earth back there in His day, right when He was walking on the earth at that time, He's trying to instruct them for their lives for that day and age. And secondly, Jesus knew that there would be disciples on the earth in the future day, like you and me that are still here on the earth, all these years later, and we need understanding as well as to the end times. But in reality, there is only so much that Jesus told them back in that day, and there's only so much that we know from the pages of Scriptures today. Anything else that we come up with as it relates to the end times would be nothing more than speculation or guesstimation. And many people have done that. Many people have speculated this or that and are divided into different camps from an, es from an eschatology standpoint. People are divided about the end times. Right? And if you're interested in finding more information on all those different viewpoints of Matthew chapter 24, even this chapter we're going through right here, be assured that it is easy to find because there is much written from every single angle. All these different viewpoints of even just Matthew chapter 24. But as we go through this chapter today, I'm going to take a, an approach that simply tries to get us to apply the Word of God into our lives today. Because this is what's missing in the lives of many Christians. 
Many know their eschatological viewpoint. They know their denominational viewpoint or non-denominational viewpoint. But how many people are actually living the Word of God? So that's how I'm going through Matthew chapter 24 today. You see, folks, we all understand that we live in a fallen world. If you haven't figured that out, well, I'm sure you have figured that out, okay? Because we can go back and we can read the account of uh, creation in the book of Genesis, and we can look at the state of the world today, the state of mankind, and we can understand that from the time of creation, when God created everything and said, it's all good, to now, we can see that this world has been ravaged by sin and destroyed. Sin has not only destroyed the souls of men and women, but sin itself, and as a result of the sin of men and women, has had and continues to have its effect on creation, the world around us itself. Creation as God meant it to be has been destroyed by sin. Let me show you some scriptures on this as well. Go ahead and mark this page again and turn to the epistle of Romans chapter 8. We're looking at a lot of scriptures today, folks. But this may be over an hour long teaching here, somewhere near there, but hopefully you got more of the Word of God in your week than just an hour. But Romans chapter 8, and we'll look down and start reading in verse 18. I'm going to point something out to you based on something I just said here about creation, the world, the world itself that God created. In verse 18, the Apostle Paul speaking says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, not willingly, but because of Him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So we've got these, this fallen world we live in. This fallen body of ours, right? That is subject to decay. It's appointed to man. It's appointed to this body that we now indwell to die and decay. But there is, there's surely coming a day when the sons of God will be revealed. There is indeed a last day when the earth as we now know it will be no more. And these bodies as we now know them will be no more. Each and every day, more and more people are getting saved in the world. Right? More and more people through the preaching of the gospel are finding their need for a Savior. And there's only one Savior, and that's Jesus Christ. And as more and more people hear the gospel, repent of their sin, come to faith in Jesus, are baptized, we're getting closer and closer to the end of the age. 
And for many years now, since Jesus was on the earth, there have been wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes, pestilence, and, and so creation itself is groaning. But in all of these things, the end has not yet come, as Jesus said. Jesus has not yet returned for the gathering up of the born-again children of God, when the sons of God will be revealed. But that day is indeed drawing nearer and nearer. Sin is ever-increasing. Things are indeed waxing worse and worse throughout the world. Creation as God intended it is continuing its downward spiral, uh, spiral as man continues to corrupt the original design of God. We don't look, have to look far to see this, do we? To see how marriage and the family as God originally designed it has been corrupted. How obedience to God's Word has been corrupted. But all in all, we know that there is an answer to it all, and Jesus is the answer. He is the way, the truth, and the life. So back in Matthew chapter 24 again, in verse 9, Jesus continued to tell His disciples of that day, right? And He says, Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, right? Will, will betray one another and will hate one another. Do we see any of that going on in our world today? Hating one another, betraying one another? Hey, that person over there doesn't have a mask on. You know, people just war and lust and they have their opinions and they're... they're they're lost. They have no peace within them. They're not trusting in God for their lives. So lawlessness is running rampant, right? Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive one another. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. Remember, we're talking about the one who endures to the end is that person whose eyes are fixed on Jesus, who's not living for the here and now, who's not lusting after the things of this world, who's not all pent up with anxiety and anger and worry and fret and hatred for one another and going after other people. That's not the Christ-like person. We're talking about the person that is born again of the Spirit. That person is going to fix their eyes on Jesus and they're going to endure all the way till the end. And it says endure because it's, it's not going to be easy. And that that person will be saved. So, but Jesus in those verses there points out a list of things that His disciple and all of us would see take place in the world around us. And like we've already mentioned, wars and rumors of wars, nations rising against nations, famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. But... You know, these things are everyday occurrences in one way or another in our fallen world today, aren't they? But as Jesus spoke with His disciples, there was still something that had to be done 
in this world. So he wanted them to know that all those hard times that come in life are not the end of time. Just because you're seeing all of this going on doesn't mean it's the end. Because when Jesus was talking to his disciples, there was definitely still something that needed to be done. And what needed to be done? Verse 14. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations. And then the end will come. So right now the gospel still continuing to be preached in all the world. Get saved. Come to Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Repent, come to the Lord, be baptized. The gospel, Jesus died for your sin. He shed his blood for your sin. Sin, he was crucified, dead and buried. On the third day, he rose again. He's coming again. You need to come to faith in Jesus today. If you stop this teaching and don't want to listen to the rest of it, got to have that point in your heart and mind, whether you're saved already or not, whether you've come to faith in Jesus or not. Because if you've come to faith in Jesus, then preach the gospel. Tell it to others. If you've not, then receive it. But today, the, the gospel is still going forth into all the world. And the end has not come because the Lord is long-suffering. He's waiting for as many who will choose to do so and will come unto Him and find rest for their souls, right? Salvation is being offered to whosoever will. Whosoever will repent and place their faith in Jesus, salvation is offered to you. And this is the time we're living in now where the gospel is still being preached. Again, the world around us is waxing worse and worse. Violence. Pestilence. All of these things going on. All of these things happening, right? The forces of good today. Things that are good today are being called evil. And things that are evil are being called good. We're living in the last days. They seem to be approaching quickly. You see, in the day and age of the original disciples of Jesus, there was all kinds of evil, all kinds of bad things that were happening in the world. And soon, the, the one they followed around on a daily basis, Jesus Himself, would be put to death and they would be hiding in fear, not knowing what tomorrow held for them. But Jesus would rise from the dead, appear to them again, and walk with them again, and then ascend into heaven and sit down at the right hand of the Father. But He would not leave them comfortless. He would not leave them alone. He would come to them by sending his Holy Spirit, to indwell them and to empower them, right? And they would be endowed with power from on high and have all that they needed in this life for godliness. And all things that they needed would be provided for them if they kept their eyes on the kingdom of God, focused on Him. You see, the time of the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem was not far off for them, for the original disciples of Jesus. That was a terrible time. Some of them would still be alive when the Romans would invade. So they would go through a difficult time in the not-too-distant future. But again, troubling times in the world are nothing new, are they? 
They have always been since the fall of mankind. The, the destruction of Jerusalem and the temple was not the first, nor was it the last time that the Jews would see trouble in their land. We see trouble throughout the world, don't we? Even today. In verse 15, Jesus begins to elaborate more on those troubled times that lied ahead you know, for His disciples. Therefore, He says, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken by Daniel the prophet standing in the holy place, whosoever reads, let him understand. Again, there's much written on all of this if you want to go deeper into it from an eschatological standpoint. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. For then there will be great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, ever shall be. No, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh could be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. I'll pause right there for a minute and interject this, right? As we read this, we can surely see that the Bible is not a book of all good news, is it? Like everything good happening in the world and stuff, right? There, there's ultimately good news in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's why we have to look unto Him. But in this world, we all have tribulation. The original disciples of Jesus had tribulation that they had to live through and, and they had to go through. And all of us have trials in our lives today that we have to go through as well. But in the day when the Jews experienced their tribulation, the Lord didn't abandon them. His elect, the Jewish believers in Jesus, were not utterly destroyed. The days of trial were shortened and the remnant of Jewish believers in Jesus continued on. The trial for them was great as we've uh, seen Jesus describe here, but the Lord wasn't done with them yet. From, from the Jews, what would happen? The Gospel would go out. The, the Gospel would go forth in all the world. Those Jewish believers that came to Jesus would take the Gospel out into all the world and eventually to the Gentiles as well. But the end didn't come at the destruction of Jerusalem, not the end of the world. Nor has it come yet, right? And who knows the troubles that still lie ahead for the earth today. The thing that you and I need to do, and this is why I said I'm going to focus on what we need to do presently, is to fix our eyes on Jesus and to get others to do the same. See, we can know the truth, the truth that sets us free. And in knowing the truth through the Word of God, we can be sure not to be deceived. You have to know the Word of God in order to not be deceived by things that are happening in the world. Jesus doesn't want His disciples deceived. Verse 23, Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is the Christ, or there, do not believe it. For false Christs and false prophets will rise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you beforehand. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, do not believe it. 
For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. So you see, folks, there's going to be no mistaken. And this is what Jesus is pointing out. There's going to be no mistaken the actual coming of the Lord. For the believers that are on the earth at that time, at, at His coming, maybe you and me may not be, right? But it's all going to be good for them. In the twinkling of an eye, they will ever be with the Lord. But for those that do not know the Lord, that is, those that have not been born again and have not come to faith in Jesus, it's going to be a dreadful time. The most dreadful time you could ever imagine. They will be those that have bought the lies of this world. They will be those that did not keep the truth of the Word of God and, and, follow, and they followed after every wind of doctrine and said, instead. They didn't look, they didn't put their hearts into the Word of God to, come, to understand it. And even today, there's all kinds of non-biblical doctrines taught by false deceivers or teachers, excuse me, that are deceiving many people. People today are blindly following the things that are posted on social media, the things that are on the news networks. They're like lambs to the slaughter. I, I'm amazed at people today living in fear and anxiety because they're giving their time and attention to all of this stuff being posted and spread. All because they're not living their lives in a manner that is in line with the teachings of the Bible, the teachings of Jesus Christ. To take no thought for tomorrow. To cast our cares upon Him. To trust in Him. And for this world, as we now know it, again, dark times still lie ahead. It's, it's going to get worse. In verse 29, Jesus continues and says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So remember folks, these, this, these horrible times are coming for the unsaved. But they're going to be, it's going to be a blessed time for the saved at the coming of the Lord. We will ever be with Him in the twinkling of an eye. In the twinkling of an eye, verse 31, And He will send His angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they will gather together His elect from the four winds, from one end of the earth to the other, is what that means, right? From one end of the earth to the other, He'll, he'll gather the believers and we will instantly and for all eternity be with the Lord. And as Jesus is sitting there with His disciples on that day on the Mount of Olives, He tells them here in verse 32, Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When its branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Right? Things are waxing worse and worse. More and more hatred. More and more people being deceived in the world. 
Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. So Jesus is saying to his disciples here, look guys, I'm telling you nothing but the truth because my word never fails. Yes, there are troubled times ahead, he's telling them. As you go forward on the earth, troubling times. Again, right, some of his disciples that he sat with there were going to, to, to be alive at the destruction of the temple of Jerusalem at the siege of the city, right? And he was telling them here to pay no attention, to stay alert because, excuse me, to pay attention and to stay alert because the days of trouble are not that far off. Today in the Bible, right, and, and we as Christians, there's a great message to bring to the world. Unfortunately, the message that we're seeing as well is that it's, it's going to get worse. But fortunately, there's the good news that you can come to Jesus. You can repent of your sin. You can be saved. You can fix your eyes on Him. You can begin to seek Him. Study His Word. Learn. Grow in the grace and in knowledge of Him. And when will that final day happen? Well, Jesus says in verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows. Not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. So the day, the hour of the coming of the Lord, no one knows. Many false prophets have acted like they did know, but they, of course, did not know because, again, the words of Jesus are true. They never fail. And He said, no one knows. And Jesus gives the example of the time of the great flood here, and He says in verse 37, but as the days of Noah were, so also will be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then two will be in the field, one will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill, one will be taken, and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. Alright, so Jesus is saying, it's going to be life as normal. People are just going to be focused on what they're doing. Marrying, partying, going about life, not paying attention. But he's telling his disciples, pay attention. Preach the gospel in all the world. Tell people they need to get saved. Just like the times of Noah, hey, get on the boat. They laughed at Noah. Noah was a preacher of righteousness. Telling them you got to get right with God. Get on the ark, get saved. People didn't do it, people didn't care. And it's going to be like that the time Jesus comes back as well, he says. And in verse 43, he continues, But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So, since we know that the Lord is coming at an hour in which we do not expect, he's saying you need to live right. Pay attention. We should be living soberly. 
righteously and godly in this present age. By the way, that's what the grace of God teaches us to do according to uh, Titus 2, 12 and 13. So if you say you're saved by the grace of God, then it means you're living soberly. Then it means you're living righteously in this present age. And that you're looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. That, that's how we're living. That's what grace teaches us to do. Read Titus chapter 2. Right, we need to be a, being a faithful servant. And Jesus says in verse 45, Who then is that faithful servant and wise servant? Whom his master made ruler over his household to give them food in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his master when he comes will find so doing. Assuredly I say to you that he will make him ruler over all his goods. So you see that's the right way for a disciple of Jesus to be living. Okay? Wise servants. Serving the Lord. Busy at serving in the kingdom of God until the Lord comes. But then there's a wrong way to live. Verse 48, But if that evil servant says in his heart, My master is delaying his coming. You see, what happens is, is people will begin to be affected, infected by the world around them. People that say they're saved. And, they'll say, and they, they become complacent. And it says he begins to beat his fellow servants and to eat and drink with drunkards. We see that amongst Christianity today. People hanging out with drunkards and being a drunkard themselves. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour that he's not aware of. And will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. See that? The, the servant, he's saying the servant that doesn't stay faithful till the end, that isn't serving in the kingdom of God all the way till the end, isn't fixed on Jesus, focused on the kingdom of God, doing what the Lord has him to do, that person will just be appointed with the hypocrites. Okay, you're over there. So the modern day disciples of Jesus here we're being told, hey, you can't let up. I mean, the, the disciples of Jesus in that day, the ones that Jesus was talking to live at that time, can't let up. And the Word of God's telling us the same thing. You can't let up. You can't let up. We must press on in the faith with our works displaying our faith all the way till the coming of the Lord or to our death when we're in His presence, whatever happens first. And to those that have not come to Jesus, again, time is running out. The signs of the times are clearer and clearer that the coming of the Lord is approaching. So it's time to repent and to come to faith in Jesus. Thanks for watching or listening, whatever the case may be. God bless.